Good morning. This begins a series called Important Works of the Church. The idea is we see in Scripture that there are a, a number of things that are encouraged for us to do as Christians. We've talked about uh, the idea of salvation before and what it means to become a Christian, what it means to live faithfully. And we look into the book of Acts, especially we see a consistent list of things the church was doing in which they were engaged in the Lord's work and how they were encouraging each other through the idea of Scripture and to go through troubles and hardship. And so what I want to do this morning is talk about the idea of that work of encouragement. Some synonyms for our thoughts this morning to kind of give us an idea or a baseline as to what we will be discussing. The idea of encouragement can be defined as support, to cheer someone up, to lift them up, or even to extort. And for me, the way my brain kind of works, it's helpful to think about the negative of a positive word. So if you encourage someone, we kind of know what that means. But if I say that it's discouraging, it gives you probably a clearer understanding as to what we shouldn't be doing by discouraging one another, but encouraging each other as time progresses. The reality is, is that life is sometimes extremely difficult. If it's not difficult right now, it might be difficult in the near future. If not for us, then someone that we love and that we care about in the body of Christ. And so to know how to biblically encourage someone is helpful, not only to understand what someone is giving to you and you are receiving, but how to give that gift towards someone else. I know that I would not be here in this place, in this spiritual condition, in this physical location without encouragement from people that mean a lot to me. I wouldn't be here going through preaching school, going to West Virginia, going to Charleston, South Carolina, coming here to the middle of Georgia. The idea of encouragement has pushed me along spiritually and emotionally to allow me to be the person I am today. And so that's a easy and cheap gift that you can give somebody else is a hand up and encouragement on their path following the Lord as well. I have a particular verse which we just read. Thanks, Alan. It's hard to forget Alan's name for some reason. Um, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, once again, will be the basis of what we're looking at as a command and encouragement from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica which is also applicable to us. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, once again, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And when I was preaching for 10 years and I finally got to that mile marker on the journey of, of life, I had a sermon called 10 Things I've Learned in 10 Years of Preaching. It's kind of a catchy title, kind of made sense to me. And they were short points, believe me. It was a 25-minute sermon. But the main thing I came away with was the idea that being patient with my fellow brethren, my brothers and sisters, when it comes to their journey in Christ, was a thing that I lacked a whole lot of when I first began my journey as a minister. And I'm still working towards the idea of being patient with people because you want to push them along as fast as they can possibly go and some people just aren't quite there for whatever reason they're going through a struggle they're going through a crisis they've had a lot of things that they've been tagging along with them from their encounters in the world and so to encourage people 
to keep moving along faithfully, but also to be patient with them is a very important lesson we can learn from the Apostle Paul. What I want to do next is go on to the New Testament and look at a couple of examples. It's going to be our points for the morning, so get ready for them if you're taking notes. Of things that we see that word encourage being used to underpin or to support in the New Testament itself. Now, one way the idea of encouragement is used in the New Testament is the idea of supporting people in their work for the Lord. Supporting the Lord's work. Now, don't read ahead. You got to stop right there at point number one, okay? Scout's honor on you. Supporting the Lord's work is an important part of how we encourage people. We want to encourage folks that are doing the work in the kingdom alongside of us, although it may not be in our area, it may be across the world, but encouraging people to continue to do the work is what we are called to do. An example of this is in the book of Acts chapter 11. Let's turn there together. Acts chapter 11. Beginning in verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Verse 20, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, began to speak with the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Verse 23, When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, because he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And so just one simple little snippet here from the book of Acts, giving us a historical landmark or the idea that when there was a persecution that arose after the death of Stephen, the first martyr uh, for Christianity according to the scriptures, then the church spread. They all left from Jerusalem knowing the gospel, and they all went back to other locations that were a bit further away. And when they were there, they preached the gospel to the Jews first, but also the Hellenists were there. So folks who were Jewish, but were more in, in times with the idea of the Grecian world as well, they heard the gospel. The church in Jerusalem heard about the converts that took place in those locations, and they sent Barnabas, the son of encouragement, as the name literally means, or son of consolation, to go. He heard about their receiving grace, sawing their, their work in the Lord, and they encouraged them that they should continue to follow the Lord. Also, in Acts chapter 16, just dropping down to verse 40 here, so they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Now, it's very difficult here in the book of Acts to go really any chapter, almost any context, and see this church that was growing and multiplying and doing great works and not seeing someone who is encouraging them to continue to do that work in the Lord. The reason why I mention that here is to show us that if we want to encourage 
one another in the church, encouraging the work that we are doing for the Lord is very important. I love to hear from my preacher friends about the works that they're doing, to get ideas of what works and what doesn't work, at the end of the day, to learn that they are in the same business that we are all in, to go into this world and bring the gospel to a lost and dying world, that we're giving them hope, we're giving them purpose, we're giving them some understanding as to what this world is and why sometimes it's just so difficult, and to bring it back to the scriptures and to show people what God is doing in their lives. That's an important part of working in the kingdom. And what it takes to keep that work moving forward is encouragement from one another to see the value of what we are doing. It's not difficult to see the value of you working in your profession. However you're paid, either weekly or bi-weekly or monthly, you have a monetary value placed upon the time and the effort that you put into your profession. When it comes to working for the Lord, the benefits aren't really apparent to us right here and right now. Converts is one thing. You baptize someone, that's a physical result, a thing that you can see, but what's the result when you call someone who's going through a tough time and just letting them know that you're praying for them and if they need anything, that you are available to be there for them? What's the benefit that we see? We might feel better afterwards, which is great, but it's so difficult to see how the Lord sees when it comes to his work being done. How else did the first century church encourage each other? Well, this might shock you, but they used words. Mind-blowing revelation from Scripture, right? They used words to talk to each other, to verbally encourage each other when they were going through difficult times. Over in Acts chapter 20, let's turn there together. When I say Acts 20, I go in my brain to verse 7. There's nothing before verse 7 in my mind for some reason. It's been beaten into me. But there's actually verses before verse 7. It starts with verse 1. Can you believe it? Okay. Acts 20 and verse 1. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, I sometimes miss the actual nuance of what the scriptures reveal to us about what's going on in the mind or the actions of Paul, for example. We miss these little things when reading, okay, he went here, he went here, he taught these people, he had converts, he went here. Yeah, that's all good to know, but don't miss the small emotional details about him forming relationships and connections with people wherever that he went. So here, again, in verse 1, Paul called the disciples to himself. He embraced them. They were friends. They loved each other. They knew that they were working together in the kingdom of the Lord. Verse 2, when they had gone over that region and encouraged them, how? With many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And then the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria he decided to return through Macedonia. So on this journey, Paul is going from location to location, but while he's going through a place, he stops, meets the brethren, the Christians that are there, and uses words to encourage the Christians that are there to continue living that lifestyle. Now, sometimes there are some people that we have connections with where words 
almost aren't necessary. I've got friends, I've got people I'm close to, if they just walk over and they shake my hand and give me a look in the eye, I know exactly what they mean. There are some people when they just give you a look, you can read their thoughts and you know what they're thinking and they're in your corner and they're behind you. But sometimes it's helpful to just hear the words, hey, I've been thinking about you, I've been praying for you, trying to encourage you, if you need something, please let me know. I got a call this week. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'll just say a good Christian friend of mine I've known for quite a while is going through a very difficult period in his life. And when I heard that, I was shocked because this individual calls me whenever he needs to talk to about advice or has a Bible question or if he's got questions about having children, whatever the question may be, he knows I'm far enough away geographically I can't interfere in his life, which sometimes is helpful. He knows I can't just show up at his front door unannounced, but he knows if he calls me, I'm going to answer. And he didn't call me when he was going through this tough time. So when I heard what he was going through, I called him, and he didn't answer. He called the next day. I answered immediately, and I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, what's wrong with you? He goes, what do you mean? I go, I know what you're going through right now. You didn't even call me. And he goes, well, it's been a lot. I'm like, I know it's a lot. You can't carry this by yourself. You need to call me so I can encourage you and pray for you. If you need someone to yell at, that's my job. That's why I'm paid the big bucks here. I can take it. You can yell at me all you want about the troubles of life. So I had to tell this guy, I know well, you need to have someone in your corner to walk with you through what you're dealing with. Call me. Now, members here in Thomaston Road, I want you to know that's part of my job description. I may not be paid for it. It's not a part of my contract. But as a Christian brother... I am here for you. And you need to have people who will be in your corner when you feel like you've got nobody left. So by Paul going from location to location, meeting with the brethren, saying with them verbally, we are trying to encourage you to continue walking down this path, following the Lord. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to be having a tranquil life all the time. Sometimes life is tough. And Paul was saying, I know what you're going through. I'm going through it right now. Be there for each other. The next idea of how we see encouragement used in the New Testament is the idea of fellowship in the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but when I read the idea of fellowship in the Spirit, I'm like, yep, it's a churchy word. It's a churchy description. That's a good thing. We should have that. But what does that even look like? I mean, for me, it's difficult to even define, much less try to say, well, y'all should know about fellowship in the Spirit. If we go over to Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul had that fellowship in the Spirit, and he defines what that kind of looks like for us. Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul if you don't know anything else, you should know he really, really wanted to get to Rome. All roads led where? To Rome. If he could get the gospel to take off 
from the place where all the roads literally started from in this empire, he knows that that gospel would spread. That's his goal. That's his desire. Go to the capital of the Roman Empire, which just happens to be Rome, and then preach the gospel there. He eventually got there. Uh, not the most uh, nice way to arrive in chains and shackles, but he, he got there. So in Romans chapter 1, writing to the brethren there in Rome that he didn't personally know yet, here's what he has to say. Verse 11, because or for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. So to kind of read through that, what he's saying is, I really want to meet you guys. I know in the first century that you have these, these supernatural spiritual gifts that can help support the work of the church, and you guys don't have that yet. I'm an apostle. I want to meet you and give you these abilities to help the church flourish and grow in the first century there in Rome. Verse 12, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. What he's saying is, I know you guys are following the Lord Jesus. You are Christians. I am too. I want to meet you. I want to encourage you, and you will therefore encourage me by knowing that we have the same faith, the mutual faith that is shared between these two groups of people, Paul and the Christians at Rome. Now, the application for that is a little bit nuanced and different for us because we don't have the ability to pass on spiritual gifts in a miraculous sense. That's a shock to you. Tell me what gift you have. I'll tell you why it's not miraculous, right? But we have the ability to see someone else's faith and the same faith that we have and to be encouraged by that. And here's what I mean. If you go on vacation, if you go traveling, if you're on a business trip, what's one of the things that you do if you're going over a weekend? It might be that you're going to Google Right? And you're looking up Church of Christ wherever you go to vacation or travel or visit. And you see what congregations of the Lord's Church are there. And then you check their website to see if they're the real church or not. Right? If I'm wrong, let me know. <laughs> and then you might make a phone call or check out a YouTube video to see what the sermon's like and to see what's going on, if it's the same group or not. And then on Sunday morning, you show up and you go there, right? And either they're part of your group or they're not part of your group but have the same name, right? We can go anywhere in the world and find the Lord's church. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Name a place, the Lord's church is probably there. I know a guy named Brandon, and he worked in New York City. He was a Cornell graduate, which is a big deal apparently. I don't know. And so he left Cornell, and he was going on a business trip to Kenya. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. He was going to Kenya, and he didn't know if there was a Church of Christ anywhere in the entire country of Kenya. But he made some calls, and he found a guy who happened to be a preacher or a minister for a Church of Christ in a certain village. So he called this guy up on a cell phone, because everybody's got cell phones. I'm telling you, no clean water, no change of clothes, no furniture, but they got cell phones, you know? <laughs> so you have... A cell phone call made from New York City to the middle of nowhere, Kenya. Charles Agutu picks up. 
He says, I will come to Nairobi Airport on my motorcycle. I will pick you up. You will come to church on Sunday. And so Brandon, being Brandon, got off the airplane, saw a guy he's never met before, and was like, come here, follow me. Got in the back of the motorcycle. They went seven hours away into the bush, and he goes, you are preaching today. (laughs) And Brandon goes, okay. Now, from that relationship, from that random phone call of him wanting to go worship somewhere with other Christians where he was on a business trip, Christians for Kenya mission work got started. It's been at least 50 new preachers from that preaching school that they started together come out of that location in Kenya and go all over the country spreading the truth of the gospel. So when Paul says, I really want to get to Rome, I really want to meet you guys. I will be encouraged by you being there, and you will be encouraged by knowing that we're all out here too. We experience something kind of like that today. You can go anywhere in the world and see a group of people doing the exact same things that we're doing this very morning. It must be encouraging to know that we're not the only ones. We're not it. One more way that the idea of encouragement is used in Scripture is a bit more detailed. It's education about God. That seems a bit, okay, what's that mean? Well, the more you learn about God and His Word, the more encouraging it should be. If you leave a sermon of mine and you don't learn something new, I'm not shocked, by the way, if you don't, but you should at least be encouraged that, hey, you know what, I, I read God's word today, I saw what God wanted me to see, and although I may have known those things already, it's a good reminder about what God has said. That's the baseline of my goals for the morning, is you should be reminded of what God has wanted you to know. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, if you're talking about a congregation who uh, wasn't doing great, Corinth wasn't doing great. They had a couple of issues, and by a couple I mean a whole lot. And the big one was they weren't unified. There was divisions, there was no love shown, they were kind of separated in different factions about who baptized you. Not that that really matters, but they were dividing over that, and they couldn't get along, and they all had a plan, and no one was on board with following. So in 1 Corinthians 14, you have the enumeration of the gifts, right? And you have how they're to use those gifts of the first century. Meaning, if they could perform miracle abilities to encourage each other, that was the intended purpose, but they weren't doing that. They were just showing off, it seems. So 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul writes, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a language, has a revelation, has an interpretation. So imagine this morning for worship, if we got David over here leading a song to nobody, somebody over there is talking to himself for some reason, a language we can't understand. Somebody over here is presenting a lesson and we don't know what in the world he's talking about. It'd be a little chaotic, wouldn't it? Yeah. One thing at a time, so we're all together and unified. That was the goal. So Paul says, let all things be done for edification. If anyone has a language, 
there be two or at most three, each in turn, not at the same time, and let somebody interpret. If someone's speaking a language over here, but no one understands what in the world he's saying, you don't have an, an interpreter to tell you what he's saying from revelation of God, don't let him speak. He's not going to help you at all if you don't know what he's saying, is the idea. Verse 28, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him, uh, him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So if you've got someone presenting something from revelation of God as a prophet would do, let's keep it at two or three in one meeting, right? And then let everybody else listen and be silent. That's the idea. But if anything is revealed, verse 30, to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. So it would have been a little bit different in the first century if we had the gifts compared to how, what we have now. And then verse 31, for you all can prophesy one by one, here's the point, that all may learn and what? May be encouraged. Paul's saying when you gather together as the church and you have people who are prophets, who are speaking the word of God, the point is not show off how much you know about God. The point is you are revealing God's message and people are encouraged to learn that message. And by learning it, they become more encouraged, right? Same goal we have here. When I present God's word to you, it's not, look how much I know. It's the idea of, here's how you can better understand God's word, and that should encourage you that God's thought about all these things that we're curious about, that we want to know, and he's given us some answers. That's the word of God. And then finally, how is the idea of encouragement used in Scripture? I can't think of a catchy, snappy little title for this, so I'm just going to say what it is, and you can tell me what it is afterwards, all right? The knowledge of someone's condition. The closest thing I can come up to is an update. Do we have any updates? We have prayer requests all the time in church, which is a good thing. Folks have needs that we are concerned about. We want to bring their needs before the Lord in prayer, and we'd like to have some kind of follow-up. How did it go for you? Did God answer your prayer? Is it getting worse? How better can we pray or support you? What's the update? So the knowledge of someone's condition is actually talked about in Scripture quite a lot in a practical way. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, let's turn there together. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. Paul writes this to the church at Philippi. So Apostle Paul somewhere else writing to Philippi to that congregation. He says this, chapter 2, verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. What Paul is saying there is very practical, very applicable. He's saying, I'm concerned about how you're doing spiritually, physically, and to get that information, I'm going to send Timothy to you to see how you're doing and he's going to tell me how you're doing. Now, our day and age is a little bit more simplistic. We have some wonderful tools at our advantage. Does anyone know what this thing right here is? A phone? A magic box? It really is. 
Can you imagine what the Apostle Paul would do with email? I mean, just imagine, right? I can call, some, I can call Charles Agutu in Kenya right now. He may be sleeping, but I can call Charles right now for free and talk to him right now. I can call anybody really in the world at any location, any time of day, and usually get a hold of someone. If not, I can check Facebook and get spied on by them, but also hear about how people are doing that I'm connected to, right? Sorry, Zuckerberg, I, I know the tricks. So you got this idea of knowing how people are doing, and we have the tools nowadays to do it almost instantaneously. So my question is, what's our excuse? All right? I'm guilty of it. Maybe you're guilty of it, too. People I love, people I'm concerned about, I'm praying for, I forget to check in sometimes and just let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. How are things going? So that's one tool that we can use. Let's go to one more passage for the morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica. He says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it was good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister or servant of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Paul's just saying, hey, sorry I couldn't be with you. I was stuck in Athens there by myself, but I sent Timothy to make sure that you knew this kind of persecution, this kind of tribulation you're going through, is what we signed up for. It's part of the deal. We're following the Lord. The Lord was killed by the world. We shouldn't expect an easy life, right? But Paul's just being honest with him about what's going on. So if we're looking to how to encourage one another, which is an important work of the church, we can do it by supporting those that are working in the kingdom. If you know people that are missionaries, people that are in a difficult area, even people next to us that are trying to talk to their loved ones about the gospel of Christ, support them, encourage them, remind them how important that particular kind of work is. By encouraging people, you might be able to get by with a handshake or a hug and a, a look in the eyes, but don't forget to sometimes just tell people what they already know. Me calling my friend and saying, you need to call me to tell me what's going on in your life that I can be there for you. If you don't keep me in the loop, I can't help you. And sometimes we need to just say it blunt like that to let folks know we love you, we're concerned about you, we care about you, we're here for you. Say it. The fellowship in the Spirit, you can go anywhere in the world and find a group of people just like us. Just like us. They know the same things, they believe the same things, they serve the same Lord, they're worshiping God the exact same way. We're not alone in this effort by any stretch of any imagination. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The more you learn about the Word of God, the more encouraged you should be. The more you learn about God's Word, the Scriptures, you see God in them. 
And that should encourage you to learn more and more about who he is through what he has revealed. And then finally, the knowledge of someone's condition, an update about how they're doing, is encouraging to us to hear that we are making an impact by caring for someone, but also for them. Know that they are doing better than they were before because we've been bringing their name before God's throne room. We're presenting the case. We're asking for what we need to ask for before him. And hearing those updates is encouraging to know that God is working in their lives and in ours as well. So one important work of the church that we do a pretty good job at, to be fair, is always room for moderate improvement is to encourage each other on this path of life. We're all following Jesus. Our goal line is the same. Our destination is forever with him in the heavens. So encouraging each other along the way is vital to a healthy and growing congregation of the Lord's body. If anyone this morning needs to respond to the Lord's invitation, if you've not yet begun your journey with the Lord, if you're still just waiting to start that race, or if you've been the race for a long time and you're a little tired, you need some encouragement. You need us to be there with you, to be in your corner. Whatever your need is this morning, respond by coming forward as we stand and we sing.